Hey guys, welcome to episode 89. We're still going out of order. I think this one gets us back on track, sort of, kind of. Apologies if that threw anyone off. This episode is a great one. I am excited for you to check it out. Joined by Nate Kadlachet. I want to always pronounce that name right. Uh, Czech at the end there, like Czechoslovakia. That's how I remember it. And uh, he has Catalyst Wellness over in Monterey, California, uh, as well as an online presence similar to me. I always love connecting with folks in that same space, focusing on wellness, getting people out of pain, building habits for long-term health. We get into that. We go deep on the academics of that. I really enjoyed this conversation and can't wait for our next one. Looking forward to that and some of the new episodes he's going to be putting out on his own podcast. Look out for that. Uh, this is being put out May 24th, 2022. Thinking about things going on now. Don't forget to check my webpage out and sign up for online assessments. I think everyone should be getting an annual orthopedic screen with my company, Fit Care, Physiotherapy and Wellness. If you care about your fitness, you don't have to deal with the healthcare system. That's the whole idea. That's what we talk about a little bit today as well. Annual orthopedic screenings. Check it out. Sign up. Get one virtually in person. Find someone near you to do it. Whatever works for you. Get 1% better. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe, rate, review. It helps the channel grow. Helps us reach more folks. Get good information out there. Can't wait for you guys to check it out and get your feedback on all of this. Enjoy the episode. Hey, look at that. Right at the time. There it is. Uh, We are joined by Nate. Is it Kadlechek? Kadlechek. Kadlechek. And I know I heard on one of your recent podcasts that's Lithuanian mostly. Um, It is is Czech and uh, it's mainly mainly Czech from uh, Czech Republic. Was your, oh your your um your guest? She was Lithuanian. Yes, yes. She had her her company name was uh, a Lithuanian word. Uh, yes. So we're joined by Nate here. We're just gonna go Nate, and I can remove my doctor. And we're both doc. You're a doctor as well, right? Yes. Awesome. So we're we're both doctors of physical therapy. Uh, connected through the Facebook worlds and and the online Twitter, social medias, wherever you're at there. Uh, he's over in California. Where exactly are you? I'm in Monterey. Oh. Fancy. So fancy. right, right, right on the coast. Yes. Uh, what was that show? Big Little Lies. That was. Yeah, the- yeah. Um, I didn't even know that was a thing until uh, <laughs> <laughs> long after the fact. So yeah, yeah. Well, that took place right there in Monterey. That's that's like the main thing I think of when I hear Monterey. Mm-hmm. And was that you punting your punting video? I looked up on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, 11 years ago. (laughs) One of my very old uh, punting videos. That's actually how um, the university that ended up signing me, like, found me. So, or one one of the ways. Yeah. Everyone needs a good punter in the the football. That's right. That's right. right. Well, we're going to cut red hot. They're too red hot for us. Um, I did see them at Woodstock 99. If anyone's uh, checked out that Woodstock 99 documentary on HBO. Uh, yeah, that's that's how I remember it. They did a good job of capturing the craziness that was that. Anyway, um, we're Jealous. here to... Uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was uh, special, special. I think 94 was the one to be at. That would have been the better one to be at. <laughs> a little less carnage and all that. Uh, we escaped before it got like too, too crazy. But yeah, it was it was intense. 
Um, but yeah, so uh, we're we're here to talk to Nate and uh, catch us up. Where where what are you doing now? What are you passionate about? What's going on? And uh, I know you're diving back into. We were just talking before we went on uh, back into your podcast, but. Uh, again, I call this bonus stuff. I want to learn some stuff. I'm selfish like that. So teach me some things, man. Sure. Um, well, for those who do not know me, um, I am a physical therapist and I started a clinic in Monterey actually three years ago in April. So it's coming up uh, on that time. I'm treating clients right now, Monday, Tuesday, Friday. So like I was telling you a little bit earlier, uh, just working on Monday, Tuesday, Friday, a little bit longer days. And then on Wednesdays and Thursdays, uh, I really, I made this decision a couple months ago that I would be focusing my time on those days to writing um, a book that I'm working on to actually like working on finishing it. Mm. Can, can <laughs> um, you share with us a little bit around what, what that, going to be about look like all that yeah yeah so it's basically um advice that i wish i would have had when i was 20 mm. um based any, on any what one I, area health and fitness or, or kind of everything everything um from relationships to how to navigate uncertainty fear of not knowing what you want to do with your life uh you know not feeling worthy, um, you know, how are, to build are, are, actual are, are, deep are relationships. Just absolutely normal experiences that we should all be experiencing and be okay with. No, no. What's that? Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Right. Totally normal. Everybody should just understand. Everybody should just understand it. You don't have to like put any thought into it. Right. Yeah. Everybody just yeah. go through life and not think about it. That's the um, way to do it. yeah. So I just, I, I'm the oldest of my, my brothers and, you know, so you go through a lot <laughs> <laughs> of trial by fire when you are the oldest. Um, yeah, there you go. Um, and yeah, so it's just really the book that I wish I would have had when I was, when I was younger. Nice. And also it's just to get my thoughts on life out. So uh, that yeah. when uh, I am gone or hopefully before I am gone, people know where I stand on things. They know how I think they know just where I'm at. Um, and we're actually, my wife and I are expecting, um, a baby coming up soon. Yeah. Thanks. Congrats. Uh, in August. So it just, it's just really a, something that's been on my, um, not even my bucket list, but my list of when I am, I, I I'm still alive. So yeah, <laughs> Le leave a legacy, um, leave. A yeah, legacy. yeah, awesome. exactly. So just helping expediate people's uh, life progress so it doesn't have to be nice. so so difficult learn from um, the mistakes we've made exactly exactly <laughs> yeah. so that that's that's the the big part of the of the book and then um, just diving into my podcast again um you know i i started a podcast in 2020 and part of that was because i had so much free time <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know, I, I closed my clinic for two months and I was like, what the hell am I going to do with myself? Um, so that was part of the passion project that started. And what I've realized is that I'm actually, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to focus on things I'm being pulled towards now and, instead of trying to push a rock up a hill. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm very, feeling very pulled in the direction of like some of the things we'll talk about today of how to help improve people's health on a population level, um, which is, you know, uh, 
disclaimer, it's probably not through telling people to work out more. Yeah. Um, <laughs> eat less, exercise more. Eat less, exercise more. Yeah, it's probably not that. It's probably something else. So I'm very passionate about that. And then um, larger just public policy issues. And I'm going to be committing a lot of time to doing research, uh, putting that research into very digestible uh, formats uh, by interviewing podcast guests who are experts on the subject, by writing various blog posts, making YouTube videos about it, and just seeing where that goes. Um, awesome. It's really just, a, again, a passion project that's kind of pulling me in that direction. Awesome. So. Uh, we're doing a little bit of a series on my other podcast, <laughs> the Demand Better podcast, about uh, how research and science is presented to us by the media, by different different outlets, and uh, and how we should be interpreting it. So I don't know if you'd be gracious enough to kind of go off on that tangent for a second and tell us what you think research-wise. I'd love to hear how you're going to uh, bring that to the masses, but is it like, hey, this new study had 30 people, and it found that, you know, doing deadlifts is going to increase your longevity by five years. Like, is it, is it that, or is it, you know, or can we can we cut through... Uh, yeah, just I would love to hear your kind of take on that topic. Uh, just yeah. if you have like a two-minute uh, window, uh, three, two, one, go. I think <laughs> that if you look at people who are doing it well, it's people like uh, Greg Knuckles. I'm not sure if you're familiar mm -hmm. with him, mm -hmm. but I actually I went to I graduated from um, college with him, so he was in the same exercise science program as me. I took classes with him. Super sharp guy, really down to earth. And uh, he has the Stronger by Science um, okay. brand, and they do a really great job with their articles where, I mean, they will be so in-depth, but at the beginning, they have a TLDR um, mm. version right. where they're just like, hey, here are the most important points. Here's the takeaways. Right. Of course, if you want to read more and get into the weeds, go ahead and read more of it. I think that if you present things in that way, um, you know, people don't like, it's not like a, a, a meme on Instagram where you just, you can't really capture all of the nuance in that, unfortunately, right. yet people take that as, as gospel. Yeah. So at least you have the, um, at least you have the bullet points of like, Hey, here are the key takeaways based on what we found here are the limitations and right. here's our longer discussion if you are so inclined. So I think that's a responsible way to uh, dispense research. And then also guys like Ben Cormack, um, Peter Atia, both of these guys have actually created lots of resources of like, hey, here is how you should digest. Here's how you can actually read research articles. Yeah. Here's how to actually digest them. Um, and get better at reading them because it is a skill that needs to be developed. Yeah. Um, so I think both of those are, are great starting points uh, or, or ways to dispense that information. Sweet. And I guess what would the advice you have for somebody? So when a when a study comes, when a, a, a headline comes out and says red meat causes cancer, uh, you know, and then if you start here and well, new study found blah blah blah. Um, just just maybe again. Uh, again, we're doing pretty thorough deep dive on this, but I'd love to hear your kind of quick two cents on that one of uh, what, what, what would you tell the consumer of that headline? I would say that you have to look at what the incentive is from the person that's sharing the information. The incentive for a news agency, usually not for all agencies, but for most news agencies, especially the larger ones, they want you to click on a 
news article because right. on the side panels of the news article on the website, there are ads that are being shown. They get paid when people click on those ads and purchase things. And so the more salacious, the more just enticing, the more sexy the title is, the more clickbaity it is, unfortunately, that is how more people click on it. That's how they make more ad revenue. That's why yep. we have more negative news than positive news. And so if it bleeds, it leads. If it bleeds, it leads, baby. So, <laughs> so um, that is a, is a big problem. Um, and so what I would say is that just recognize that, that a lot of these headlines that you see are created in such a way to get you to click. And you have to make the conscious decision to say, oh, okay, like, is this actually true? Is And, and just going in like saying, hey, this is this title probably doesn't accurately, accurately reflect all of the nuance <laughs> on yeah. this subject. It probably is just in a very 90 just, second soundbite or exactly. Or in this like five second soundbite with like TikTok, you know, yeah. probably doesn't capture all the nuance. So let me at least acknowledge that and say, oh, this is interesting. Yeah. And then if you really want to get into it, um, go look at the primary sources if you can even access them, which is a problem. That's another whole topic. But, yeah. um, you know, try to get to the primary sources. And, and if you know how to. Um, decipher those wonderful, then you can actually make an informed uh, decision. But if you can't, then at least don't hold that position like it's gospel. Like right. don't read, don't read a clickbait title and then go around telling everybody that, oh yeah, see, red meat causes cancer. See, yeah. see this article. Yeah. I read this article. It's like, ah, ah yeah. you're missing it. You're missing <laughs> it. So a quick, a quick example of that I'm going to give now is, um, I don't know if you know this guy, Thomas DeLauer, on YouTube. He's uh, like a good looking fitness guy, talks about some of the nutritional studies and he's got a lot of stuff there, but um, he t new study, this changes everything uh, about resveratrol. And it was, the study was 11 men, healthy men who happened to be obese. Um, I didn't, I didn't look deep enough to see what they, they meant exactly by that. Maybe metabolically healthy, but somehow just overweight um, in terms sure. of markers, but 11 men, uh, and, and I think it was a 30 day follow-up study. So like that sh shouldn't be changing everything in the clickbait title of it. And, and, um, you know, stuff like that is, is really what starts to bug me. Um, but it's, it's the nature of where we're at. So I don't know, we, we, we got to keep finding those deeper voices to be able to speak truth to science or, you know, whatever the term is at this point, but let's take that into our first, um, piece you wanted to talk about a building more walkable community oriented cities for better health outcomes. I love the concept. I'd love to hear more of uh, where, what you're doing with that and, and where that came from. Yeah, this is an idea that um, has now been um, germinating for, Oh, I think, I think I might've lost you. Uh, let's see here. I'm going to wait. Cause I don't, I don't know if I, uh, Oh, you're back. No, I, I put you, I put you on solo, so you get. Oh, all I'm on solo. No, sorry, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. Uh, I didn't cue you up. I was like, oh. But uh, three, two. It's all all you. Okay, cool. I'm I'm all, I'm all alone. Oh my god. Um. So this is just an idea that's been germinating for about a month now. Um. I was very interested in public policy and how to just impact population health. Uh, since really grad school, um, so six or, or I got, gosh, I guess eight years ago now almost. Um, 
all of my, you know, I had a couple friends who would be in the deep in the weeds of talking about anatomy and biomechanics. And I'd be like, well, it's not that interesting to me. Let's talk about how like our healthcare system is not really serving uh, the people it's supposed to be serving. But um, I used to think, and I've been trying to wrap my head around trying to figure out the best, if there is such a thing, way to improve people's health overall. Because the, the problem or a big problem is that we have more and more non-communicable diseases that keep uh, sparking up. We have more gyms than ever. There's more apps than ever. There's more free stuff than ever to help people be fit and healthy. Yet we aren't. We're like, we are completely missing the mark. We're, we're hoping that technology is going to save us. We're hoping that just more education and all of this is going to somehow change at a population level uh, how people uh, actually take care of their bodies and their mind. And it's just not happening. We're failing. Like we really are. And I, and I don't know if you know that statistic, but uh, this is the first generation of children uh, with the shorter life expectancy than the previous generation, which is the first time in human history and all whatever you believe, whether it's only a few thousand years you believe in or millions of years you believe in. But, uh, you know, it's the first ever time in recorded history that that, that that's happened. So that's scary stuff. Yeah, it is. And uh, I, I wasn't aware of that, but I'm not surprised um, given given the direction that we're going in. And so with all of that, being a therapist and being a personal trainer and being someone who talks with my clients all the time about this and seeing as a as a society that we are not making any progress in this, at least, at least not in the United States and other countries or they're definitely doing better. But I all I, I stumbled across uh, about a month ago, and this is after a conversation that I was having with one of my clients too, who's an architect, about city planning and how the actual forming of streets, uh, of different buildings, of having different sectors, zoning laws can actually affect the health of the population at large mm -hmm. because you can actually incentivize. Uh, physical activity, right? Just by the mere fact of how things are set up, people don't have to think about it. It's just built into their everyday life. Mm -hmm. And you and I know that walking is, I mean, of course, like people should be resistance training two times a week, you know, at least, um, I have to harp on that, but, um, most people aren't doing anything. They're getting well below the needed physical activity guidelines and, Part of that is because our cities are laid out so poorly mm -hmm. in the United mm -hmm. States. Um, even in Monterey, like a lot of it isn't walkable. It's there. There's still like a bike trail. I think it's better than a lot of cities. But if I go back and think about like I lived in several different states at this point and in Arkansas, I mean, shoot, we, it was a small town. You couldn't, I mean, you could walk places, but there weren't any sidewalks in a lot of places. Mm. Cars are driving fast. It's not appealing to walk places. It would take me like over an hour to walk to the grocery store. Um, so our, our cities are set up in such a way where we are, disin uh, I guess, disincentivized, decentivized. I don't know the word, but disincentivized um, to walk, to be physically active. You have to physically make a choice 
to be physically active. You have to make a choice to eat foods that are healthier. You have to make a choice to do anything now. Um, we have we have optimized our lives to be comfortable and convenient. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just having a serious effect on um, on the US and, and yeah. of developing nations around the world, to be quite honest. Um, yeah. Again, some of the Nordic countries have done a much better job. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, almost everyone that, in, uh, in like some of the like Denmark uh, or Copenhagen has a bicycle. Like, yeah, it's just it's just commonplace. They, you know, you see hundreds of bikes in in, in <laughs> at the front of whatever little area you're you're in there. It's a uh, it was pretty people cool. People even own cars. There. Yeah, some people. Yeah, a lot of people don't own cars. Again, who knows how mm -hmm. much uh, benefit that is for the environment, things like that. But again, for the physical health and and the the entire healthcare system. Uh, are you familiar with the blue zones? I am. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I don't know if you saw that at some point they did, uh, they took some of their stuff and then they became like city advocates And there. I remember finding a video uh, where they did something similar to what you're talking about of a city planning, making it more accessible for health. Um, I want to say it was in like Wisconsin, somewhere in Wisconsin or something like that, where they, and they just went in there and they're like, cool, the city has the money. They're ready to rebuild and we're going to come in and help them set up in like bike lanes and all these different things we're talking about here to to figure out where, where to put stores even and, and just, yeah, like in yep. that flow of the city. So uh, to, again, incentivize uh, the the physical activity concept there. So, yeah, that's uh, that's awesome. Um, so what, what what steps are you actively doing now to 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 move towards kind of that that big picture? So right now I'm very much in a research phase. I want to make sure that um, I have all the facts or at least a good percentage of them before I uh, feel too strongly about something. Mm -hmm. I have the ten I have the tendency to uh, jump into things and like, wow, this is the best thing ever. Um, yeah. So my, my rule to myself now is to give it at least like two weeks to a month of a healthy amount of research to really see if the idea holds weight. And if it's uh, after talking to a multitude of experts, if I feel like it's still worth some, something that's worth pursuing. Um, and so far, this has met the litmus test. Um, so the, the next steps after kind of the research phase and gathering the facts is uh, I will be starting to make some content on it that will just kind of solidify some of the uh, knowledge that I've gained. I'm going to be having podcast episodes. I'll be reaching out to like city planners, architects, um, and just public health officials uh, and getting them on the on the podcast mm. to just talk about these issues. And then I also plan to start going to some of my um, planning, like the city planning meetings and mm. uh, town hall meetings, just to see what the plans are in my own local, in my own community, uh, to see what they're doing to uh, to improve these things, or if it's even on the radar. Right. So um, those are. Uh, just a few of the next steps that, awesome. uh, that, that I'm taking. Love it. Love it. Um, cool. It's, that takes us. And I think this next topic you, you threw out is incentive theory of motivation, uh, how that relates to health and well-being. I actually have motivational interviewing for healthcare practitioners <laughs> as that's, that's right there. That's nice. what that one is. Hey, don't be crazy dog. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> so tell us um, about incentive theory of motivation. Yeah, this is uh, this is interesting. I think it relates to the first thing we are talking about. Um, ultimately, we do we we do things because there's some incentive for us 
to do it. Um, and some people like for you and me, there's some internal or is usually a combination of it, internal and external motivators mm -hmm. of why we exercise or why we uh, do certain things for our health. And we are lucky that that is baked in to just yeah. kind of our identity at this point, right? Like I, some people, unfortunately, a lot of people, actually, the majority of people that is not really baked in right. to who they are as a person. And so it makes it very difficult to make that change. Um, why, so, why do you exercise, Nate? Why do you? Uh, I, I exercise for, I mean, various different reasons. I think part of it is I have been physically active since I was a very small child. I played three sports growing up my entire life. Um, and so that, I mean, that alone is a huge environmental, um, external motivator that becomes an internal motivator because you view yourself as a physically active person. It's like, well, I've always done this. So why would I ever stop doing it? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that makes, that just makes it easy. Uh, ultimately, um, even when you're not in those organized athletics anymore. Um, and then I also, you know, being in the healthcare field, I know the benefits of it. Like, right. Like by and large, uh, I know that cardiovascular risk factors of my family will be far reduced if I am getting my cardiovascular activity in and my resistance training. Um, I know the benefits that it can have for injury risk reduction, uh, especially if I want to go out and be a weekend warrior. If I'm lifting and practicing agility uh, and preparing my body beforehand, I probably will have a lower injury risk. Um, so that that's also uh, a benefit. And I like looking good. <laughs> like I, there's, there's, a, there's definitely a vanity metric in there yeah. too. Like I, I enjoy like being muscular. I, I, I like how I look uh, when I, when I'm working out and, and doing that stuff. So um, there's, and then of course, like I, I think I want to be, um, I'll just be honest. I, I think I want to be perceived as someone who is fit as well. I want people to see me that way too. Cause mm -hmm. that's, that's important to me as well. Um, so all, all of those reasons. Love it, man. Sorry. So we took you off the, the original thought pattern. Uh, so back to the, the kind of oh, incentive theory of motivation. Yeah. yeah. So just uh, the, the, the fact that some people, and I think it's the minority, are just predisposed for environmental and biological reasons. It's just easier for them to work out and be active and making those healthier choices. Um, and of course, like socially, if you grow up in a wealthier environment um, or you have more... Um, you have more meat financial means. It's just easier as well. You don't have like the so many constraints. You have more options. Um, so, but for a lot of folks, that is not the case. Um, maybe they weren't physically active growing up. Maybe everyone in their family is not in shape. Uh, everyone has, or lots of people have chronic conditions. Um, and the, the lifestyle itself is, based on comfort and convenience for various reasons, right? Like maybe the li their life is so hard to begin with that choosing to do another hard thing like exercise, cause it is it's a hard thing. Um, like it's just not appealing. Right? right. And so when I, when, when I think of the incentives to get people to do certain things that are good for them, um, I, I always go back to like, do we have to create in, do we have like, like some companies will create policies where like, if you, uh, 
make a certain number of sales, you get this, right? So right. that's like a, a monetary incentive. And then um, there's there's lots of different types of incentives. Um, but I suppose the, the incentive for like people, like why would people walk um, if they're, um, like there's no incentive for people to walk to a grocery store that's a 30 minute drive, that's a 30 minute walk mm -hmm. if they could drive their car there in like two minutes. Right. Um, but there is an incentive to walk if they live five or 10 minutes away and it would take the same amount of time to drive. Yeah. Cause well, get or, or getting them to make the smaller change to at least park at the very end of the parking lot, you know, Correct. and walk that extra distance if they're just trying to find ways to build a little bit more physical activity. in. exactly. So ba basically the incentive theory of, of, of just motivation is really, um, figuring out like, what truly motivates people from an external point of view and from an internal point of view. And then a question that I've been asking myself the past couple months is how much external motivation does it take to develop internal motivation or do they, can they happen at the same time? Um, is external alone enough in the beginning to trigger some amount of internal? I don't know the answer to that right. question. Um, I just think it's 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 a it's a fascinating one. Yeah, yeah, I I hundred percent agree. I love that exploration of the topic. I wonder. So some of the things that were coming up for me is like if you have like a, a fitness tracker, um, and and then that accountability of putting it whether it's on social media uh and being like hey i'm doing this challenge where i have to walk ten thousand steps or you know some of them will have uh, where you can be in a group and you can see what oh like oh nate did you know burned whatever three thousand calories today i only burned 2500 oh no um what, whatever the the numbers are but like uh i got i gotta go run and and do 500 calories worth of uh, exercise right now but but yeah the incentive theory motivation it's, it's super interesting and and that other part too that you were talking about it sounded like in your answer i heard there's that identity piece so uh, I identify as somebody who gets up and works out, or I identify as somebody who's going to make find time. Uh, you know, you have a kid on the way, you got to find time to to uh, you know get your hour of fitness in, or maybe it's only twenty minutes of fitness, or even ten minutes of fitness. And but you're just going to commit to to having that bit of movement. Um, I think it's easier for us as people who are in front of a camera who like looking good. We have that ability, and we've been doing it most of our lives. So yeah, there's that. But then how do we take somebody who hasn't been doing that for a long time and, and might not have that incentive or, or that motivation. And motivation is also an interesting word. Uh, a lot of times that what comes up for me recently with when hearing that word is it's very temporary, right? Motivation. Mm -hmm. So it's, yep. it's really finding that like change to an identity. And it's very hard to do with a client, even one-on-one -on -one, uh, to say like, I want you to be a person who, and, and like changing people's language. Uh, I don't know how deep you've gone on the language thing. If you've very seen, deep, um, yeah. <laughs> so there's just I'll bring up the easy one that I I, I hear a lot is like uh, I have to go pick up my kid from from school or whatever versus I get to go pick up my kid from school. Correct. Um, and that little bit of, of language change and again, oh, I I really got to make sure I go work out versus like, hey, like I want to go work out and like whether you believe that or not. Um, <laughs> whatever that language bit is, uh, I think there's a lot of really interesting stuff there. So yeah, thank you for, for that topic. And, um, I'd love to hear where, where that goes for you for sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and can I say one more yeah, thing about that? Um, so this is just my opinion. I don't know if this is true or not. So I just want to throw that out there. Um, 
I think that on a micro scale that we should, of course, still be doing motivational interviewing. We should still be helping people foster um, a sense of self-efficacy and building, helping them figure out how to build that internal motivation. I don't think that that alone is going to change the direction of the U.S. health. Mm. Um, I think we need something more dramatic than that. Like even if everybody was doing that, I don't think it would change anything. I think the forces, I think the forces fighting against that are too strong. Mm. Like we, like let's like let's, these... let's let's go there. Let's go there. So okay, what are the forces? There. What which forces are you talking about? Is it the uh, the dark side? Is it is it? <laughs> it's Darth Vader. <laughs> Darth Vader. Yeah. What which forces are we talking about? I I think I know where you're going, and I I just want to expand on that a little because I think that's that is the real conversation. Yeah, I I think the forces that are at play here are several. Um, number one, we I think if you look at human progress right? Human progress, we've, we throw that term around all the time, especially in the tech. I mean, especially with tech companies, I mean, it's like, <laughs> it should be a flagrant foul, but uh, they're throwing, throwing that word around. And we're, I think we're optimizing for the wrong things. We're mm. optimizing for being comfortable. We're optimizing for convenience, but the, it, we're, we're doing it in certain ways that are not advantageous to our health. And so, for example, um, we can like there's never been a time in human history that you can literally stay in your house, order food, order a car to pick you up, order anything you need from Amazon. You literally never have to leave your house. I mean, mm -hmm. assuming you have like some financial resources, right? Right. You almost never have to leave. And just the way that we're structured, like if you even go back 50,000 years to where we're all hunter-gatherers, why would we exercise? Why would we like... Well, yeah, no I, I, if I can jump in there, I mean, we are hardwired to be as lazy as possible. Correct, so, exactly. So, yeah, so I mean, genetically, exactly. we are definitely... Uh, and, and, you know, there's really interesting conversations there. I've talked with a few folks of this Rob Wolf, if you're a fan of his, I don't know if you, you know, his work or not, but, um, he wrote a book called wired to eat, uh, that mm -hmm. I think speaks to a lot of the concepts you're, you're going into here. And, and it just comes down to, yes, we we're told to eat more and exercise less. Sorry, other way. We're told to eat, but no, that, but, but we're told that's to bi biologically. That's right. What we want. Right. That's exactly it is, is, uh, genetically we are hardwired to eat more. Yeah. And exercise less because Correct. we want to save up as much as we can. But we are then told to do the opposite of what your genetics says. Um, yes. and, and, you know, the doctor is just like, hey, you're overweight. You should really eat less and exercise more. Um, right. and, and it's like, well, but my genetics say and like I have this, up, you know, like what, what's the incentive to your point is like, you know, and some people get diagnosed with diabetes and then they're like, hey, we have to cut off your leg if you don't change your dietary habits. And they're like. Okay. I guess that's what it's going to be. Like, I guess I get a prosthetic or what, you know, and like, and, and, and not to, you, you know, um, victim blame or anything like that. But, uh, his book wired to eat is just sh saying that like, yeah, we are in this crazy situation, um, that again, everything's built against our genetics. Um, and, and, you know, the, the food scientists have literally kind of thrown it in our face, bet you can't eat just one of these. We've actually 
scientifically engineered them. So we know that yeah. once you take one bite, your brain's going to be like, give me more. Um, give me so, more. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's a really fascinating um, topic. I just wanted to jump in there with that. Sorry. No, thank you for that, that addition. Yeah, that, that's literally exactly it. So not only do we have the, our, our own biology that has been with us for thousands and thousands and thousands of years mm -hmm. that is working against us, um, <laughs> we also now have uh, tech companies and uh, you know, food companies all engineering these things with a deep understanding of how humans work to make us do things that are in the, uh, in our worst self-interest. Mm -hmm. So it's not even just our biology anymore. It's like, we are actively destroying ourselves. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know if you were going to go there, but I'm also, when, when you said those, those evil forces, or, or I forgot the, the phrase you used, but maybe I, I put that evil forces in there. Uh, but, but the, I was thinking you were going to the farm, pharma, pharma, big pharma, uh, and going, going towards that. And, and even the, the whole concept of, uh, you know, agriculture and, and the, all the money involved in pushing the food pyramids and, and, uh, you know, how basically when you look at some of these things, uh, the, the food pyramid as it's recommended, uh, is, is actually the same kind of diet that they use to fatten up cows to make them more, <laughs> uh, more, more, you know, whatever, uh, sellable, but, but yeah. So, uh, yeah, I don't know if you were going there in terms of the healthcare space and things like that. Um, I, I wasn't really going towards necessarily the, the pharma side of things. Um, and, and look, like, I, I don't think a lot of this is necessarily done nefariously. I, um, do. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, I think there are, I, I don't think anything is ever 100% nefarious no. and zero and, 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 and in the opposite, right. Or in zero in like, or a hundred percent, like altruistic. I, I don't right. necessarily believe that. I think there's, People are complicated. Companies are complicated. Industries are complicated, or, or I should say, complex. Um, and so there are certain, of course, like there are certain people in big pharma and certain companies that uh, definitely are pushing the more nefarious side, right? Yeah. Um, and I and I believe the same is true on the opposite side of the spectrum, where like some of these bigger pharma companies are probably more altruistic. Mm -hmm. Like, I think, I think there is a, a balance there. And I, I, I just, I do, I'm less, uh, I'm less optimistic about <laughs> human nature, um, yeah. in, in the past couple of years versus my early twenties, but I'm also not completely, Let's, let's uh, see what chapter of the book this will be in. That, that, that's yeah, 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 <laughs> exactly. So uh, ultimately, um, I think humans are very good at exploiting, like especially ones that understand how human brains work. Unfortunately, you have some very smart people who are nefarious or who are just doing it for economic gain or right. who are doing it out of the pure they think this is cool and interesting and it's going to like, they really think they are true believers that what they're doing is going to solve all the problems. Right. When in reality, it's just causing a new one. Um, did, did you follow so, the Elizabeth Holmes uh, trial at all? I didn't, I didn't really follow it, but um, enlighten me. Uh, so she, she was a dropout at Stanford university uh, she was able to get, I mean, like, she's her a whole, Theranos person. Theranos right? was the company. There's a bunch of different yeah. podcasts and like TV shows and movies now coming out about this. So the, the whole story was pretty, pretty wild. Um, I hadn't really heard of it 
until Peter Atia, who you mentioned, was on the Joe Rogan podcast, and they were talking about it. And a really funny kind of connection to all that is Peter Atia told an anecdote where he had an opportunity to work for their company. Uh, and basically, she was trying to push this, like, they called it the Einstein was one of the names, this little box that would allow you to take a drop of blood and, and do 100 lab tests off of that one drop of blood. So you wouldn't have to take a whole vial of, of blood, uh, which at the end of the day, it's like, is it really that big of a difference? I don't know, whatever. But this was a whole revolutionary thing. She presented sure. it as like, I want to save the world and, and all these things. Um, and, and ultimately, it was just a sham the whole way. And again, whether that was, a, again, she genuinely wanted to change the world in a better way uh, through blood testing um and 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 that and then at some point to your you know again maybe i've seen too many of these stories uh where including big pharma where people don't necessarily have the they might go into it with good intentions uh but then all these things come up and then ethics just get thrown to the side because then it's about survival and and it's like your livelihood or your reputation so <clears throat> bottom line is she was found guilty recently of uh spoiler alert for anyone who wants to go uh check out the all the podcasts <laughs> and things but well, as soon as i got into it uh, after i heard the the Peter Atia and uh, and Joe Rogan interview. Uh, Atia, so to finish that, I don't. I think I dropped off that. Is uh, that little box that that uh, he, they were selling? Uh, Atia was like, "Can I see what's inside? Can I like? Can you explain what you guys do?" And she was like, "No, no, you can't. You you don't." He's like, "I signed an NDA," uh, right. and he was like, smart enough to be like, "Okay, there's just this is like nonsense." And then you know, even after that, they still went on to raise billion, like over a billion dollars. Uh, they, they were huge, like, oh, what, what, you know, this is amazing. Everybody should be investing, blah, blah, blah. Um, but like Atia was like, yeah, no, I saw it was nonsense. And that, you know, they were just kind of lying. And it's, you know, how, how far do you go down that rabbit hole of kind of uh, selling the live or until you get caught, which she eventually did. Uh, but anyway, very interesting story. Uh, but, but uh, you know, uh, sorry to, to go on a bit of a tangent there. Um, oh, but no, no, no. To, to bring it all back, uh, maybe we can go to, so yeah, the, I guess let's wrap up the, the whole pharma. Uh, one thing I'll say too, uh, with all this that I wanted to, to touch on is uh, we talked about research before. And again, when we talk about some of the ways people present research, and again, it's either they, they don't understand this is, and this is my kind of same take on some of the, uh, are people nefarious? Are they just kind of going with what sells? And at the end of the day, they just want to sell. Are we doing good or not? Uh, is they're either either they don't understand the actual thing and, and they're just like interpreting it in the wrong way or they very well understand the thing and they're presenting it in a, in a again, malicious, like nefarious way to say like, oh, like the research doesn't really say that red meat causes cancer, but we're going to say red meat causes cancer because it pushes our pea protein agenda, um, which, you know, if you've seen the Game Changers documentary, that's a... That's its own little story, which we're recording a whole podcast on tomorrow on the Man Better oh, nice. podcast. But um, yeah. So anyway, sorry, that's my little uh, tangent there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and like you said, it's it's uh, it's hard to know um, when people are uh, being nefarious or not. Um, but to to your point, if somebody is highly educated and should know better. I, I have a hard time giving them a pass. Yeah. Um, and so that's why, like, when I see politicians saying, on both sides of the aisle, by the way, um, saying certain things and talking out of both sides of their mouth, I'm like, come on, man. Like, yeah. I, like you know what you're doing. You're, right. you're an intelligent person. And at the same time, like, I understand there, like you said, like, once you start getting into millions and billions of dollars, yeah, you are now at the intersection of infinite 
complexity. And so you have a lot of different forces that are pulling and pushing and uh, to have a consistent message that's ethical and aligned with your values uh, should be the norm. But um, oftentimes people choose the choose the path of the Sith. So. <laughs> yeah. Appreciate you bringing it all back to that. Um, one thing before I forget, and we move into the next uh, topic, because I like that third topic. I definitely want to hit on that is in terms of this, this community based and, and how we're going to make huge change. Um, I don't know if you've, you, you, you saw my episode yesterday. It was with, um, physiology first. They actually have three different kind of, uh, uh, brands, I guess there's physiology first. Uh, they're located in Maine. They're a 501 C3, uh, nonprofit. Um, and then they have the, the distance project and also breathe to perform. So David Bidler, um, and then, uh, Lex, uh, Friedman, I believe is their last name. Uh, they were on yesterday with me. They just announced uh, specific, specifically through Physiology First. The basic overall arching premise is they want, they especially work with high school kids to basically say, understand how your physiology works before you go and even worry about training or whatever. And everyone's getting diagnosed with ADHD. One of the big things for me there was, you know, uh, that we, we got out of that whole uh, uh, exploration was let's explore building your skills of learning how to breathe and control your breath and do some belly breaths instead of being like stressed out and in fight or flight and understanding how to switch from uh, autonomic to, to, you know, parasympathetic, sympathetic nervous system kind of manipulation, all these things. And um, they got to, the chance to work with Andrew Humerman among folks and um, who's, who's gotten really uh, big in the last few months. Uh, mm -hmm. His podcast seems to be one of the most popular on the market right now, uh, which I recommend people go check out as well. Um, but, the big thing there was, was again, that concept of like, you should have your driver's license, uh, before you get your driver's license, this is not a driver's license. It's a ski pass. Uh, but I just happen to have it right there. Uh, I did look closely. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, uh, it's my wife's ski pass. If anyone wants to steal it. No, um, I was say you've lost the facial hair. Yeah. Uh, um, but the idea was in, before you even get a driver's license, you should get a physiology license. Like you understand how to do some of these basic things. Um, and that's kind of my, my thing in the way I assess people is, can you breathe well? Can you move really basic patterns well? Uh, and if not, these are the things we need to work on because you know it's great that you have this injury and low back pain, but it comes back to, can you move well? Um, so, so, and these are the debates I get into in the healthcare space too, um, with something very, let's just say passive treatments, passive modalities. Um, it's great that we have passive modalities, like you're saying, that get us out of pain. It's very modern kind of thing. Uh, but if we're never, if we're never going past that passive piece and going into the active and what you're actually doing day to day, uh, are we just going to keep having those same injuries? So anyway, that's my little, little shake, but I'd love to connect you. If you haven't heard of physiology first guys, uh, it sounds like, you know, that might be an interesting, good fit of just getting people together. And at the end of the day, we're all trying to freaking make this crazy healthcare system a little bit better. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. No, I'd, I'd love to, to be connected, um, with them. And I think that, that really speaks to how important, um, cause this, this is high school students. Uh, they were, I, I, yeah, they, I, they have a program specifically for, I think just, uh, teenagers. I don't know if, you know, if they have okay. a cutoff, uh, for school, junior high, high school. school or anything like that, yeah. but it's just that, that, that tends to be a lot of the folks they get, because again, we, there's just so much over diagnosis of ADHD. And it's like, before you go take the pill, that's going to, you know, give you a little more focus, learn to breathe. And the other one, uh, yeah. up, up towards you kind of is uh, Kelly star red. And I don't know if you've seen their yeah. program. Um, but they, they worked with stand up kids and they said, Hey, these kids, are like jumping off the walls and then you're making them sit in these chairs um and you know for eight hours a day or whatever and they need to move 
So yeah. if we just, and they literally went into schools and got rid of the desks. Um, and, and they just said, you'll find a place to stand or, you know, sit down or move around. Like we want to encourage that because that is, again, our genetics are, are hardwired for that. So, you know, if we can tap into that and take advantage of that physiology and understanding the basic physiology, and that seems to be the huge disconnect. Um, as much as I love the mis mission of these guys at Physiology First that we talked yesterday is um, there seems to be a huge mismatch between, again, wh what the systems are, what the government is, what you're talking about, the city planning things. And it's great to build these things in and try to make change on a huge level. But, yeah, that's the question is can we make small grassroots changes like, you know, CrossFit grew as a, this very grassroots thing and people got into the cult and then they found, they might've found gymnastics from that, or they might've found Olympic weightlifting and gotten out of the main cult um, <laughs> or they found better eating somehow. Um, but you know, it's, it's how can we really make these global changes? And it's a pretty fascinating topic. So anyway, so I, I I'll, I'll throw it back to you. Cause I'm just, I'm rambling. No, no, but uh, we're, we're both rambling. It's great. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think it really goes back to just, early education as well, you know, um, and even more so than just physiology. And like, like you said, um, with the kids, I, when you were talking about kids running around, I just thought of my dog, um, who was a year old at this point. And, um, she gets the, uh, the zoomies where she just needs to sprint. She just yep. needs to go. She needs to move. And if there's a day where we don't do and she's a she's a lab german short-haired pointer mix and she's a hmm. big 75 pound dog if she does not move and get exercise in on a day she is i mean she is just out of her mind yeah. right and yeah. ultimately, i just got back i just got back from our taking our guy, oh our yeah there, my, do, my dog yeah she's taking yeah. she's <laughs> taking a, she's taking a nap on our bed so yeah. um yeah and so we are we're just animals Humans mm -hmm. are just animals with a slightly more evolved brain that can uh, that can communicate across millions of people versus hundreds, right? It's really one of the only things that separates us from chimps. <laughs> and um, uh, you know, it's so why why do we treat ourselves so differently? You know, um, but uh, with that. Yeah, I mean, early education of physiology, changing things around that way, and, and e even teaching like things of like financial literacy and mm -hmm. things like that in school from an early age. Like, I, I could go on and on about the yeah. changes that need to happen in the public education sector to make kids um, into well, like well-adjusted adults um, too. That's not to say that like parents don't have the role, of course. I mean, that's a huge right. thing, but um, I think that. Um, we can redesign schools in such a way that um, actually prepare kids for the 21st century as opposed to mm -hmm. the industrial age. So yeah. uh, those were some other interesting resources for anyone checking in. I don't know if you've checked out some of these resources. There was the Dopamine Nation book. Um, and we actually uh, did that as the Physiology First Book Club, Dopamine Nation, just talking about we're all addicted to our phones. And then uh, the, the Anna Lemke, I believe, is the, the PhD um, professor and I think she's a psychologist, but she talks about having like a dopamine uh, detox uh, where basically like, yeah, you're not allowed to have your phone for <laughs> no Instagram for a month, like kind of thing. But it, it really is about, uh, again, manipulating and understanding the physiology and these sure. worlds that we're getting caught up in. If anyone saw the other um, Netflix um, documentary was uh, uh, what was the one basically talking about how bad social media is. 
Um, oh, <laughs> I, the, uh, um, the social network. No, no, that was the one with uh, that, that was, was like the Facebook was the face, one. Face, face place. Um, <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. Is social the, dilemma. Social, social dilemma. dilemma. Ah, yes. there we go. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, dopamine nation is one of the resources I want to talk about. The other one that I'm thinking of with you and, and this big bigger change is the, the concept of upstream. Have you heard of that one by Dan Heath? I've read it. Yeah, and that's a that's a great one we did for a book club recently. For anyone not familiar, some of the big concepts there, and we talked about it yesterday on. Uh, I had a uh, Rebecca Griffith, who's a, a doctor of physical therapy in a emergency department here, um, and so that concept is is kind of foreign to most of us. Um, but yeah, the fact that if you go into an emergency room and there's a physical therapist there, the physical therapists are the best equipped to handle almost any musculoskeletal and neuro neurological issue. On on for the most part, we're probably the most readily available and equipped to handle those specialties. And obviously if there's more medical stuff, we can hand that off. Um, but, but yeah, it saves a lot of money, time, energy to be able to, um, focus on, on having somebody like that in there. So, but upstream is, is along those concepts of, um, every system is perfectly designed to get the results it gets. Um, and, and just all these interesting examples, um, the Icelandic example was very interesting uh, of, of, you know, some of the changes they made uh, for the community uh, to, to really, again, improve overall health outcomes for the entire country. And they're a country of 300,000 people. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's a little easier to make some of those powerful changes there. But but at the same time, it's it's interesting to see uh, what what a country like that can do. And again, some of the things and, and they have more than half of their government is female. Uh, which is also very interesting. And, and like, let's look at that as an example in some ways. But anyway, uh, without going down too many <laughs> fun rabbit holes, let's, let's hit on this last uh, topic you want to talk about, choosing to experience and be uncomfortable in order to build resilience into the system. And then uh, are, you, do you, are, you, are, you, are you happy with the word resilience there or do you want to go with anti-fragile? <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's a whole nother debate. Yeah. But it's like, it's like the term risk reduction and prevention or resilience and anti-fragility. Mm -hmm. I think really, I do think language matters. Um, and so yes, the words we choose are important, but I, I don't know. I, I think, I think the word resilience versus anti-fragility to me, resilience is a more efficient use of the English language than yeah. anti-fragility. And yeah. so why would you choose to use anti for like, the guy just wrote a book and decided to make a concept of resilience into anti-fragility. Like the way that but, I viewed resilience, yeah. I, I know the difference of what he's talking about. Yeah, yeah, about, yeah. But I, was, I, I was gonna, I was gonna clarify for the listener uh, that basically resilience um, is facing something challenging and you end up back at baseline. Versus fragile, you face something uh, of of uh, of challenge and you actually get weaker. And then anti-fragile is you face something of challenge and you get stronger because of it. So you don't actually just stay at baseline. So like when you go work out, uh, but yes, it is a semantical thing. I, I thought I'd throw that out there. I figured you knew the difference, but here we are. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. And, and for the listeners. Yeah. But like, from my standpoint, that's already how I viewed resilience. Right. I already viewed it in the lens of, you don't just go back to baseline. You actually right. learn from it and grow from it. And so I just thought the whole anti-fragility thing was quite honestly, I thought it was silly. Um, Fair enough. so Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> we got, we got enough things to worry about folks. We're going to, we're going to, and again, like I'm in, in part of resilience or anti-fragility. And I think this is an important thing is that it's okay for people to disagree. It's okay yep. 
for like, I think that's part of the process. And that's actually something that um, too many people are not willing to have, right? Mm -hmm. They're not willing to have like disagreement and really talk about like the semantics of, of this type of stuff. They're not they're like, not, not willing to sit there with the like uncomfortability of, of the topics um, in various aspects, but all that's a tangent. But uh, in terms of like being uncomfortable and, and actually choosing it, um, what I mean by that is going back to our, the very beginning of our conversation that we are now in a place in various um, countries and, you know, as, as long as you have some financial means that you can order everything online and live your life and never leave your house and uh, you're going to suffer for it, but, you know, uh, you, you can do that. And so in order to actually live a life that you are physically healthy, mentally healthy, relationally healthy, spiritually healthy, all those different ways, you nutritionally healthy, oh, that goes with physicality, mm -hmm. but um, you have to make the conscious choice to move. You have to make the conscious choice to have the hard conversations. You have to make the conscious choice to buy things from the grocery store that will serve your body versus harm it. Uh, you, you have to make all of these choices. They're not just intuitive. They don't just happen anymore. Right. And that's really hard. So my, my challenge to everyone listening to this is to just recognize that if you don't make those choices and you're just kind of coasting, that you're literally allowing everyone else to make the choices for you. Yeah. And it's not going to lead you to a place where you like your health will decline, right. your mental health, your mental health, physical health, all of it. If you're just being guided by somebody else um, or society well, but, writ large. Yeah. But that's the, the, the one thing that really gets me. And, and, you know, when I reflect on my business and how I've grown my business, uh, when I've worked with business coaches, I, you know, I always reflect on who I work with the most and who I'm most able to help and who buys into my message, which is very different than the normal physical therapist or even strength and conditioning person. Uh, and, and it's usually people who have, gone to multiple other practitioners uh, and trusted them to guide them uh, in their journey of either getting out of pain or losing weight or whatever the, the, the challenge is. And that's the thing that frustrates me is we see so many folks uh, start these concepts and, and they're just either they're, they're not fully uh, thought out uh, or, or they're just not the right answer. Again, like, oh, I'm going to switch to plant-based and, and either, or keto or whatever the, the latest fat is. Um, and again, you get caught up in the clickbait and all these things and, and, or you see somebody in the gym and, and they're on the elliptical for an hour reading a book or reading a magazine or watching TV. And it's like, they probably have good intentions. Uh, and, and, but at the same time, or, and somebody might've told them like, Hey, you just need to do cardio five times a week, you know, for an hour on the, on the thing. But those are the people who don't, they plateau and, and, you know, you and I can scream like, Hey, lift a weight. Um, you know, go, go do a little bit of a high intensity interval training thing. Uh, it seems to be a big fad. Let's, it's a fad. Let's do it. Um, but, but yeah, that's the thing for me that when you, when you're talking there is, is there are still well-intentioned people who put trust into, uh, I'm not going to pick on any specific profession or, or types of people. Uh, but I've, I've, that's why we had the whole other podcast demand better is demand better from your personal trainer. Here's a bunch of things we see that personal trainers do that we think stink. Here's demand better. The second episode is demand better from your physical therapist. Uh, you know, if, if you're getting eight minutes of one-on-one -on -one time 
and and then you're getting the other whatever 52 minutes of of hot packs and electrical stim and uh, some basic theraband exercises. Like there, that's probably not what you really need to get back to whatever it is you want to do. So anyway, that's my my other rant. So I, this one's this one's chock full of my rants. I appreciate you bearing with me. Of course, that means that I uh, I triggered them. So you did. We, we must be we must be hitting something deep. The other fun word I'm going to throw back uh, based on that last topic is the the term hormesis. Is that one you can you like or 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 can can rock with? Yeah, hormesis. Uh, remind, hormesis is that tissue hormesis. Yeah, there's the, the, there's, there's different there's different ways uh you know different contexts we can talk about it but yeah the hormetic effect is uh it, my favorite example of course is the um the princess bride since we're doing a bunch mm-hmm. of random uh movie references today I appreciate that you can rock with me on that but anyone who remembers the princess bride uh the main character the the pirate uh well I, oh what's his name the pirate Henry what the main guy Car- Carl Hughes or whatever his name is uh but he sits down with uh, and he outsmarts the Sicilian. Uh, and, and, uh, he says one of these two has yeah, poison, poison in it, yeah. but so the hormetic piece is he had little bits of the poison to ultimately become resilient, uh, to your point to the poison. So anything hormetic yeah. is going in an ice bath, you know, so that you're more comfortable in these uncomfortable situations. So that's the term that comes up for me that I, I, I love that term, uh, hormesis. And, and it's a fun one to say always that, yeah, that's a great, I, I, uh, I had heard the term, but I had forgotten what it meant. So thanks for reminding me. Um, but the, I, I think a, a way that I implement that is on uh, long runs mm-hmm. and, and also on like harder, uh, like higher intensity days in, in the gym with like squats or deadlifts. I just find that when I am training myself to exert at a very high level, it is not only helping me physically, it is also helping me mentally because I can translate that experience and also be able to push through and adapt to challenging situations that will come up in my everyday life. Yeah, I'll, I'll share this real quick is um, uh, in doing CrossFit type stuff, uh, one of the biggest mental gains I've made, is, and it's a funny thing, I think a lot of People who've done CrossFit probably do something like this and, and different just variations of this. But uh, if you have a chipper where you're chipping down, you might have 100 uh, sit-ups, 80 squats, 60-something, 40-something, 20-something. Um, and so when as you're chipping away, uh, that's something I find myself in all the all different situations of, you know, I'm driving eight hours from here to, to Utah. Uh, so, you know, I, I literally think of it as like an a imam or, or a – uh, you know, and you can see literally on the GPS, the clock, you know, the thing ticking down. So there's this observable, repeatable, measurable kind of aspect to it. So and that to me, that mental uh, part you're talking about for sure is is something that's like, OK, cool. I'm going to do eight of these, eight of these 500 meter row repeats, something I did the other day. Uh, unpleasant. Uh, but, you know, every time you're doing it, you're chipping away. You're like, OK, I only I only got six more like and I'm just going to take these one at a time. And and then again, how that applies to life is always, always fun, whether it's, you know, responding to emails or checking stuff off your list and. Uh, yeah, it, it's just getting comfortable with the uncomfortable. That's that's a term I love for sure. So we're sure. we're up on a little over an hour. Um, uh, if you have any other big things, I know we, you know, I feel like I I ranted more than I usually do, which is rare because I rant a lot. Um, so it's hard for me to rant more than I usually do. Um, but you brought it out of me for sure. So, um, but yeah, if you want to close off on any big thoughts or just tell folks where where they can find you. Um. 
I don't know that I have any big thoughts. I think we covered a lot today. Um, but yeah, I mean, ultimately, I think maybe the biggest biggest thought is that um, don't be a cog in the machine. Don't like be it. a cog in the machine. Don't do we'll, it. We'll do that. Yeah. Um, and then where people can find me, um, I have a podcast. It is called Strong Society by Catalyst. So uh, you have to type that all into um, all into the search engine. So Catalyst is spelled K-A-D-A-L-Y-S-T. And that's the name um, of this episode is Be a Catalyst. Oh. Changing well, the go. world with Nate. Hey, there you go. Um, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, so you can find me there. Um, you can also find me on Instagram at uh, Dr. Kadlicek. And then where else? Oh, on YouTube as well. I have, uh, have a little uh, channel there. But, did you just uh, switch I'm, to shorts? It looked like I was looking at that. You I did. Like you I just... did. I did shorts for a bit. I was testing out some stuff, but yeah. um, I, I am going to be going more long form content again and really going in depth on some more of these, these topics. So uh, stay tuned for that. Exciting, man. Well, let's play out a little red hot chili peppers yeah. and uh, stadium arcade. Stadium, their best album. Stadium. I think that's saying something with their catalog. They got a big catalog. Yeah. They do. Um, all right. Well, yeah. Well, hope you got you at least 1% better out there, guys. Uh, don't forget to subscribe, share, comment, rate, review, all the stuff that helps us grow. And uh, we'll talk to you guys next time. You can stay on, Nate. I'm just going to end.